This is his word for us today. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord has said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of, or- of their ornaments from the Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it, to the, t- call it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out of the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the, ch- uh, of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Uh, the word itself has power, amen? Just reading this together, a longer contextualized passage of scripture uh, has power. Uh, at the Sojourn and Agape retreat, um, I gave a lot of homework, as Pastor John said. And one of the homework I want to do right now with us, uh, can you just join me and uh, breathe in and repeat after me? Father, I belong to you. Breathe one more time. Father, I belong to you. Amen? We have to remember who we belong to. That gives us security. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, 
we leave 2020 and we enter 2021 with many insecurities still intact, not knowing whether the pandemic or the vaccine will be successful, not knowing whether uh, the political strife that we have in this past year will be resolved. We enter next year not knowing whether our small businesses will rise up again or whether we will have traditional community like we used to, whether our church services will be as flourishing as it once did. How can we enter this year apart from you? We must take your hand. You must take our hand and take us into the next year. And if your presence stays, let us stay with you as well. Father, I pray that your word to minister to many of the hurting and the isolated and the nervous, anxious souls in KCPC, that your son Jesus Christ and his salvation would provide great comfort to a people lost in the world. And Father, I pray that your church would stand up with your gospel message and follow you wherever you go. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just four days away from 2021. Uh, praise God for all that he's done this year. Can you actually praise him right now? Yeah? Praise God. <laughs> we can gladly leave behind a lot of things, right? Uh, political strife that I talked about, uh, pandemic, economic issues. Um, but the question is, are we prepared to enter into next year? Are we prepared for what's waiting for us? And the question is, who are you going to follow into next year, into 2021? Um, I have noticed from my early childhood years when I played the game uh, Follow the Leader. Do you remember that game? Uh, ever since the iPhone and smartphones came in, you probably forgot how to play that game. Uh, you find a group of people in a playground, you designate a leader, and you follow that person, whatever he does. And I've learned from that moment on, Everyone follows a leader. Everyone does. And it's only a matter of who that leader is. Exodus 32 and 33, uh, it gives us an overall text. It's a huge passage that we have to read together in combination. We just read 33 today, and I wanted to actually read 32 today, but uh, I was going to feel sorry to uh, Pastor John. And so we read 33. But if you read 32 and 33 together, it gives us four options, four things that we follow around in this world. And so it gives us four things that we consider as leaders that lead us into the next stage of life. And let me tell you what those four things are. Number one, it's a representative. Number two, it is an idol. Number three, it is an angel. And number four, it is the presence of God. And we want to know what we follow, repent of what we follow, and follow God himself. That's the aim of today's worship service. And if we are able to desire the presence of God more than all these other things, uh, we will gladly step into 2021 knowing that God is with us. Amen. With that said, let's start. Chapter 32 begins with the story of a representative. Moses is the representative of the people of Israel. And he's up on Mount uh, Sinai. And he's receiving the word of God, the Ten Commandments. Now what's happening is uh, he is a representative of the people of God. And a representative is someone who specializes in knowing who God is. He specializes on your behalf in theology, in morality. He gives you the, the rules based on what he's heard. And so a representative basically communicates 
God's message uh, on your behalf. He has personal relationship with God, and he's basically like a guru. He is specialized as your spiritual mentor, and oftentimes he is your pastor. He is your soon leader or your elders. Now, just like you hire a lawyer to give you legal advice, or you hire a business consultant to give you uh, business advice, or you hire a, a doctor, to, you go to a doctor to give you medical advice. A lot of people think about the specialization of our roles, and they think of pastors as people who specialize in giving you spiritual advice. And if that's how you see your pastor, uh, you're kind of in for a shock. That is called a representative. Uh, it's someone who is mediating between you and the presence of God himself and its indirect relationship that you are looking for. Moses was Israel's representative, and why did Israel want a representative? Well, they saw that if they go up the mountain by themselves without preparing, without holiness, that God could strike them dead. And so they rightly feared God. They feared God, and therefore they required a mediator. But at the same time, on a practical level, you have a holy, awesome, powerful God. And if he becomes involved in your life, that means that he has, what, a purpose for your life. He exercises sovereignty in your life. And it means that he, like last week's sermon, he dethrones you. He becomes your king and your priest and your prophet. That means inconvenience for a lot of people today. Because we like to be our own decision makers. And if a powerful, sovereign God comes into my life, it means that, oh, I might have to give this up. I might have to volunteer. I might have to go to Nigeria to be a missionary. And we don't want the inconvenience of meeting directly with a powerful, holy, sovereign God who might derail our lives from the direction that we want to go in. And so we have a representative. Just give me information. Give me the basic ground rules, the minimum so that I can get to heaven while enjoying life here. And that's a pastor. You want to have a minimum uh, uh, hurt conscience as you live this life, so you have the basic rules of Christianity, but then you pursue your own things because you want distance from God. And you rely upon representatives. This is why a lot of people don't want to get too personal with God. Yes, he's loving, but it's inconvenient. He's loving, but inconvenient. He has too many house rules. He has too many desires of you and plans for you that you never had. If I give my life to God, a lot of you are worried that he will send you to Africa, right? And if I devote myself to God, uh, I think that he's going to make me into a soon leader and make me open up my house, and that's inconvenient every single week. Do you know, do you know, do you know that Satan's greatest success is in convincing Christians that if you give your life to God, you will be unhappy. Satan's greatest success is in the fact that he's convinced so many Christians that if you fully devote your life to God, personally and directly, that he will make you somehow unhappy. How many of you believe that lie? And you rely upon a representative instead of you personally reaching out to a holy and a sovereign God. That's why so many Christians rely upon a representative to get the benefits of having God on their side but not the inconvenience. You want to get inspired every now and then? 
You want to feel comforted every now and then. You want to have the benefit of having God's warmth and protection. Yet you don't want the inconvenience of Him Himself. Him Himself. Let me ask you a question to diagnose whether you are relying upon a representative for your faith. And here's a question. How has COVID impacted your faith? Okay. How has a direct lack of interaction with a pastor or another leader in your life impacted your walk with God? Is your faith growing cold because you don't have access to a pastor anymore or a vision caster or an inspirer? That means lack of direct contact. You aren't worshiping at your homes. You worship through a proxy. When you rely upon a mediator, what happens is that your representative before God gets all the benefits, but you, there is no wild or deeper trust or growth in God, and you rely upon someone to take you away from the thing that you need the most, which is the presence of the living God in your lives. You shall not be led by a representative. I will not be your representative before God. I will pray for you. I will cry out to the Lord for your salvation and for your sanctification, but I will not take from you the benefit of being closely plugged into the presence of God. Amen? Direct, personal contact with God with what you need. This side of the cross, when Jesus died for us, he ripped the curtain dividing the Holy of Holies top to bottom, and there is no excuse to have any other representative apart from Christ himself who is God. And he gives you direct access. He is God himself in you, with you, amongst you. And there is no excuse now to say, I have no access to God. You have perfect access. You are a son and daughter of Christ, of God, if you believe in Jesus Christ. You don't need a representative anymore. You don't need Moses figures, no pastors, you need to hear from God himself. I know my own limitations. I am exposed to them more and more every day. My vision is not all-encompassing enough to inspire all of you. My heart is not deep enough to cry for all of you. The most I can take care of is probably 30 people and disciple them well. I know my limitations. You must have direct access with God if you are to survive in church. Amen? That's what you need. Number two, there is a second theme that we follow into the future, into the unknown. Here's what happens in chapter 32. Moses, as the representative, has been gone up in the mountain for too long, and the people think that he died, probably didn't survive. No food, no water up there. And so they, what they do is they feel like they've lost access to God. They've lost touch with the divine, and they're worried and scared. And so what they do is they gather their gold ornaments, and they put them together. That's why God says, you know, stop wearing your ornaments, right? Because it's where, it's where it came from. The idol came from all the things that the people adorned, and then they melted it into a calf. And they said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. In other words, this is what you might want to write down. An idol is what you make when you've lost touch with a representative. It's too easy to see in a church. You no longer feel connected with your pastor, so you pursue your hobbies. You don't show up in church anymore. 
It is very easy to see on a practical basis. We see it much more tangibly here. They make an idol because they've lost touch with the divine through a representative. And so, an idol is what you have when you've lost touch with the divine. So after building an idol, Israel proclaims that this is their God. And why do they do this? They, it's very easy to understand why people make idols every day. Why is it? Because this God, the God of Israel, Yahweh, is too powerful. He's invisible. He only shows up when he wants to, not when we want him to, right? And he presents himself in pillars of cloud and fire, and he's terrifying, honestly, right? He's terrifying, and he shows up in ways that is wild to the human imagination. That's why every time we call this a theophany, when God shows up physically, everyone falls on their faces because they fear death. They, fe they feel like they're going to die. So this God is untamable. He is too powerful for the human to stand before. And so that's why you domesticate it into something familiar, a creature, a, a calf that's made out of gold. You can touch it and you could see it. And so what you're getting here, the idol is the best of both worlds. It has the resemblance of a God, but at the same time it gives you the benefits of God and yet it doesn't demand anything from you. That's why we follow idols. Like Netflix is such a wonderful idol. It gives you all that you desire. You know, wild experiences, entertainment, and it numbs, numbs away your anxieties, yet doesn't demand anything from you. It doesn't tell you, hey, start us soon. It doesn't tell you, hey, come to church every week. You control when you watch it. It's an idol. How do you make an idol? I'll tell you the psychological processing of how you make an idol. Okay? You take the best of God, what you want from God, and you tame it down into your version. For example, and you leave out the things of God that you don't want and you just get what you want. So you take, for example, God's blessing, but not the suffering of the cross. Okay? You take a vague concept of God's love, somehow you take his love, but not his justice towards you, right? Or even if you take justice, you apply it in your own way so that you are the innocent and the people around you are the people in, needs of God, in need of God's judgment. Or you take his kindness, but not his wrath and accountability. And so day by day, you see teenagers and, and younger generations following a God that Scripture does not prescribe. We follow our own gods that pat you on the head when you do a good job, that comfort you when you're alone, that give you, you know, good moral resources when you feel like you need guidance, and yet it doesn't hold you accountable to God's perfect law. That's called an idol. And the idol, the name of the idol for today is called therapeutic deism. Therapeutic deism, where God cures you and he is by you, yet deism means that he is far and withdrawn. He doesn't have a specific will for your life. He'll just step in when you need him like a genie in the bottle. That's an idol. So that's how you craft one. Everything you want out of something called God into your own version. Are you sure you are not serving an idol right now? Or do you have the whole picture of the almighty God, Yahweh, I am that I am? In 2 Timothy, Paul warns people about the dangers of people who follow idols. He says what about them? He says about people that they have an appearance of godliness but denying its power. 
Do you get that? And the same applies to idols itself. And so idol followers, worshipers, have an appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. And the same thing with idols. They have an appearance of godliness, but they don't have, what? Power and life. And so if you summarize all the Old Testament, biblical theology of what God says about idols, it's not that they're competition. God isn't angry at the calf because it is a threat to his existence. It's not. He says, you are worshiping something that you made. It doesn't have life. It doesn't breathe. It doesn't give you power for today. How can you follow something that is under you? You are my idol. In other words, you are the selim, the image of God. Why does, not, why does God not allow us to make images after him? He designated his image in us. We are the image of God. The closest thing in this world that represents God is us. And when we make things that are below us and we follow them, God sees that as stupidity. That's why he's against idols. It's stupid. It goes against the natural and spiritual flow of his universe. The stupidity of worshiping a dead thing, a made thing that you made out of your limited creativity. If you place your trust in domesticated versions of the divine to lead you into 2020, then that is exactly what you become. Idol worship, what you worship become, makes you become what you worship. What you worship turns you into the object of worship. If you worship God, you become filled with life and power and community. If you worship idols, you be filled, you're being filled with lifelessness and powerlessness. Have you felt that in your lives? Like, no power in what you do? No purpose and motivation and drive? Because you're worshiping things like that. Here's another diagnosis. How can you tell if you're worshiping an idol? Tim Keller says in the book Counterfeit Gods, he defines an idol as anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. In other words, here's a quick way to do it. Let me give you 10 seconds right now. And 10 seconds in a sermon is pretty big. Okay, 10 seconds. The first five seconds you probably used thinking about what is the pastor trying to do. But there might have been a, a small blip of time where you were thinking about something else. In other words, when you're sitting down somewhere and you have nothing to do and you're twiddling your thumbs, what's the first thing that comes to your mind that captures your imagination? It might be your idol. Another way to put it is this. Try answering this question. Okay. If I only had blank, my life would be perfect. What is that? Like, answer this question right now. If only I had blank, my life would be perfect. That's your idol. A lot of you might say, I don't have an idol. Okay, here's a, here's a Christian way to put it. If only I had Jesus and this blank, my life would be perfect. What is that plus alpha? Scripture tells you that Christ is enough. What additional thing are you looking for that is an idol? If that is what is causing you to jump into 2021, you will always be lifeless and powerless to the degree that the thing that you seek is lifeless and powerless. May you not 
serve an idol. May you not follow an idol. Amen? No amens here. Amen? Please don't be lifeless and powerless. Number three, the third option, and this is actually where our text starts, chapter 33. The third thing that we can follow is an angel. Okay, so here's how the reasoning goes. Okay, idols are powerless. Uh, Idols are powerless. How about something that actually has power? And here's what you get, an angel. And so God is saying in chapter 33, okay, he starts distancing himself from his people. He says, okay, you have committed idolatry. You don't see me as your God. You always rely upon a representative to approach me. So here it is. I am going to distance myself from you. I'll give you my representative. And it's an angel. He says, he will go in front of you into the land of Canaan. And so God is always faithful. He will keep his promise to his forebears, to the people of Israel. He will keep his promise. But here's the thing. I will not go with you. You'll have success. You'll drive out all the nations before you. You will enjoy milk and honey, signs of prosperity. But here's the thing. I'm not going to go with you. You're stiff-necked. I will not follow you. And so I'll send an angel and he will accomplish all that I have promised. All that you desire is just that I won't be there. And so what the angel stands for is this. The angel stands for God's power and your success without his delight. Do you get that? The angel stands for God's power and his success without his delight in you. And this should be terrifying. Scripture today calls it disastrous words. Disastrous words. When the people heard these disastrous words, they mourned and they stripped off all their ornaments. I know what this feels like as a pastor. I'm I'm on a streak of being vulnerable (laughs) the past few weeks. I've talked about things about myself that I don't like to admit. And here's another thing. The past month, I have been extremely productive. Meeting after meeting. Uh... Session after session, so busy being productive. And I'll be honest, I didn't have too much time of intimacy with God. I was so busy reading about Scripture and teaching about Scripture that I didn't have time to read Scripture. I was so busy teaching people how to pray that I didn't have time to pray. And here's the thing, what scares me the most, I see it again and again and again. After Sunday service, someone always says, Pastor, I was blessed by your word. God spoke to me. And this is what I have concluded over the years. It's not that God is pleased with me. He loves you. (laughs) He loves you so much that he would use a stone up here if it had lips to speak the gospel to you, to save your lives, to help you trust in Christ. It's not about the quality of my walk with God. He will use anything up here because the gospel must be known. And that makes me terrified. What if I don't have God's pleasure and I'm just being used? A lot of parents tell their children, may God use you for wonderful things. What if God's not pleasing your son? He used Herod. He used Pilate. He used so many people in Scripture. He used Satan. But his pleasure was not with him. God will receive glory through you. You are an image of God. Whether we go to hell or whether we go to heaven, God will receive glory through you because that is the chief design of all creation. He will receive glory, but 
Will he have, will you have his love and his attention and a relationship with him? What if you get everything you want next year? Everything your heart desires, what if you get it next year? But you don't have him. Disastrous words. Disastrous words. Parents know this. Parents use this tactic all the time. What is the worst punishment you can give your child sometimes? You give them what they want. <laughs> Terrifying for the child. Dad, I don't like being in this family. Find another family. <laughs> Parents know. Children who receive this treatment, you know. What you want is not what you need. If God gives you what you want without his presence, those are disastrous words. I mean, husbands, <laughs> if you, after COVID finishes, and you say, honey, can I go fishing? Can I go playing bowling with my friends? Can I go golf? And she gives you a bright smile and she says, okay. You better figure out what that okay means, right? Better figure it out because that's the exact same thing God is doing here. He says, okay, go. Go into what you desire so much. Go into the best place ever. Go into the territory that you so want to be in. But I'm not coming. Our response should be this. It's the title of today's sermon. If you don't go, I don't go. If you don't go, I don't go. The best place for humanity is not in a territory. It's not in an economic state. It's in God's presence. Amen? That's what we need. We're built for presence and community with God. Nothing else will satisfy. And so, I pray, and this is a, a Jesuit prayer that I received a long time ago, <laughs> but the content rings true. This is what he prayed, and I carefully pray it over you. May all of your dreams and aspirations fail. And may all of the ropes that you hang on to to climb up break so that you fall upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And that is enough. That is enough. May you not have success without God. That's blessing. And so we go to the final, the presence, the presence of God. Suddenly the passage, starting from verse 5 all the way to verse 12, it steps away from the narrative and it shows something to us about a tent of meeting. This tent is a tent Moses had pitched outside the camp, and he alone can enter it. Every time Moses entered, a pillar of cloud would cover the entrance, and Moses and God would have a secret, beautiful time of communication. And in that tent, it said, God met with him in verse 11. God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And the Israelites, every time, every day that Moses stepped into the tent, they would stand outside their doors, worship, and they would pray. And they would see Moses enter that tent. And they would probably think, I followed Moses as a representative. 
I followed an idol to get what I want. God promises an angel right now, but they see Moses step into that tent and they see God speak to Moses like a friend and they conclude, that's what I need. What I need. That's what I need. Presence. Fellowship. The presence of God. And so the people engage in a period of deep repentance. It says they didn't wear their ornaments. That's where their idols came from. And I want you to do this as homework. It's hard to find good application points, but here's an awesome one. Take off your ornaments that creates your idols. In other words, get rid of the breeding grounds for your idols. Anything that helps you cope with an existence without God in your life. Anything that helps you cope with an existence without God, get rid of it. Netflix, YouTube, some people are very konjane. They, they, they love playing paduk. If that takes your mind away from presence with God, it's not innocent. Take it away. Get rid of your ornaments that distract you from your need for God. As a result, as people pray and, and Moses intercedes and they repent and take off their ornaments, God says this. The words that we need to hear today. You need to hear this personally. My presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. I will follow you. I will join you. I will lead you into 2021 if you will have that. I will go with you. I will give you rest because I have what? Favor on you. Favor. Where does God's favor come from? I actually have a whole sermon series on favor. It's five sermons. <laughs> favor is a huge word. But where does it come from? Uh, a very basic, boiled-down version of it is this. Favor comes from a promise, a covenant relationship. How do you have favor with God? I mean, do you have favor with God? When you say amen, uh, like, is there a foundation for that amen? Like, do you have favor with God? Amen? What's the foundation? A promise. If you are in Christ, you have favor. Amen? If you believe in Jesus, the promise, all of God's promises apply to you. You have favor. That's what you need. A promise that applies to you. Not a feeling that God is close. An objective reality that shows you God is close. But we'll get to that later. But even after hearing this response, Moses is abstinent. He will cling on. He says this, Okay, you said your presence will go with me. I need to make sure. I need to make sure. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us from up here, the wilderness. And that needs to be our confession as well. If your presence will not follow us into the next year, help me stay in 2020, in the wilderness, where the pandemic still reigns, where we still have unrest. Pain and darkness with God is better than success without Him. You see the desperation that Moses has. If that means staying in the wilderness because God is there, so be it. If you don't go, I don't go. I'm not going to budge. Like, this is a personal confession. I'm not paraphrasing Moses right now. I will not move. If God doesn't follow us into the next year, I can pretend to vision cast. I can pretend to lead this church. But if God's not moving, I'm not moving. 
It's, it's just an ontological reality. I can't move without God leading our church. You know why? Moses says it best in verse 16. It's what makes us distinct. He says, Is it not in your going with us? You're going with us so that we are distinct. I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. What is the difference? Presence. God being with us makes us distinct. How can we distinguish the church from any other secular organization? God with us. How else? The world has much better entertainment. So I discourage high school ministries and youth ministries to always present pizza and Coke. We call that Red Bull ministry. Like, like pizza and Coke will not save their souls. God's presence will. What will lead us into the future? God's presence. And so what we need to do is not cast vision right now. We need to repent, cast off our ornaments, and ask God to come. Show me what to do the next year. How can I be with you? How can I QT? How can I spend more time with you? God's presence. Why is KCPC special? Because our building looks like an airport. <laughs> so big, so clean. Best discipleship training programs. The best curriculum. What makes us special? I pray, God, please be in our church. Let me tell you something scary. A lot of churches, 95% of what they do in ministry can be sustained without the Holy Spirit. 95% of what we do can be done without God. That should terrify us. Those are disastrous words. Let us have nothing if that means we can have God. Let our programs shut down if that means we can have God. How do you evangelize people? Hey, go join 2-7. Hey, do DT. Hey, meet this pastor. Hey, rely upon this structure. No. Give them God. Give them Jesus. How else? are we going to step into the future? A garage, your basement, can be the sweetest place in the world if God is there. And a church like this can be the emptiest place in the world if God is not here. And the only question is, is God with me? Or is he not? My childhood prayer that I memorize all the time, God be with me, God be with me. I know no other prayer. Like, my lips are not, not fluent when I speak to God. And my only request is, God, be with me, please. Can't do anything without you. My life doesn't make sense without you. Be with me. May that be your prayer. Be with me, God. Please be with me, God. God's greatest blessing in Scripture is to give himself. Do you know that? All the covenant bearers, all the important figures in Scripture who carried the covenants, for example, says to Isaac and Jacob and Abraham this common thing, sojourn in the land and I will be with you. Sojourn, like, go around, be nomads, but I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father in Abraham. This is Isaac. To Joshua, he says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Amen? Why? 
Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Presence is what made Joshua successful. Paul says to the Corinthian church, Finally, brethren, rejoice. Why? Be made complete. Why? Be comforted. Why? Be like-minded and live in peace. Why? The God of love and peace will be with you. KCPC, may God be with you. 2021 is four days away. Who will you follow? Me, a representative? Your leaders? No. You need intimacy. Are you going to, find all, are you, are you going to follow idols once again? All the idols that you got so sick of this year and you're looking for more? No, they're powerless. Are you going to look for an angel? Success without God is poisonous. You need the presence. And I have good news. How do you know that you have the presence? It's not a feeling. So many people rely upon feeling to see if God is with them. No, it's not a feeling. It's a promise. How do we know? Last week, Christmas, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God sent him. Those who believe in him have God. And unlike a representative, Jesus, we can have direct access to God through him. Unlike an idol, Jesus is all-powerful, and from him comes living waters. Amen? Jesus, unlike an angel, has both power and presence through the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus. This Jesus is God's presence who promises. And he says to all Christians, Behold, I am with you. I am with you always to the end of age. And he invites you. All those who will follow me will pick up their cross, deny their idols, deny their representatives, deny success and power, and just follow Jesus. And he says, my yoke is light. Follow Jesus next year. Take his hand, and 2021 will be beautiful. That's what we need, right? Amen? Thank you. He knew when to come up. <laughs> Galatians 5.25. I'll just read this and we'll conclude. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Amen? Let's walk with the Holy Spirit. Take His hand. Walk with Him. What does that mean practically? I don't want to give you just an image. Know His will. Read. Pray. Look at circumstance that He provides. Walk in step. And you will be blessed as a church. KCPC shall be known to have the presence of God. Amen. Let's pray for a while as he plays the song. And let's pray over our own lives. How are you going to enter into 2021? Don't enter with a plan, don't enter with resolutions, don't enter with goals or a vision of a better self, a better you? Enter with the promise of God's presence. Let's take this time to pray, recollect our thoughts, cast away our idols, and let's see how God has taken us so far. He will take us even further into next year. Let's pray.